Good morning, church. So good to have you join us this morning. Today, again, is a day the Lord has made. I trust you're rejoicing despite your situation, despite what you're going through, where you are. I want us to know that Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us, and that changes everything. Uh, his death and resurrection completely changed how we look at our own fears how we look at our own pain, how we look at our own frustration, because Jesus goes to the cross and says, it is finished. And in saying that, not only is he recognizing how painful, how broken, and how frustrating sin and the world is, but also he is saying this no longer becomes how we identify ourselves. Sin no longer becomes who we are because now we have life in him. And today, as we're wrapping up the conversation I started a couple of weeks ago, I just wanted us to be reminded of that, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and King of Kings. He's on the throne. Nothing is. Jesus is on the throne. No one is. Jesus is on the throne. So wherever you are joining us from, welcome. I'm so glad that you've stumbled over flood this morning and we are hopeful that today you hear God's word and when you hear God's word, you not harden your heart. Now, our conversation has been from Luke chapter 15 from uh, verses 11 through 32 and we've just been looking at the famous stories of the lost brothers. And, and this is basically a story where we get to see a young brother that went to his father and said, Dad, I want you to give me my property. And when he did that, the father ended up giving him the property. And what ended up happening was like he wasted his property, his money, his resources on doing crazy stuff all over the place. And then he comes back to his dad after he had hit his lock bottom and say, Okay, what I'm eating, where I'm at, is nothing compared to my servants or the servants my dad has. So he comes back to his father, but his father, instead of uh, pronouncing judgment, instead uh, of saying, I don't like you, you have to apologize, you have to gudubuza yourself or do whatever you need to do, the father receives him with compassion. And in that process, we get to hear the older brother who was around that entire time come to this place where his dad was celebrating and the older brother was like, you know what? I've been around. I've done everything great and you haven't given me anything. You haven't given me a piece of anything. And the father actually tends to say, you know what? Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And in, in that place, we see that both the father uh, actually, both the older son and the younger son wanted the father for his things, not for who the father was. That, but under the day, the complaints of the young, younger brother was like, Dad, I want my stuff. And the complaints of the older brother was like, I've been around, but you haven't given me my stuff. And sometimes that's how we tend to treat God. We come to God as God, they are reckless but they look like their lives are boring, like their lives are having fun. I've been good. Why is the world hard to me? So what we know is that the young brother wanted happiness. He wanted the good, good things of life, apart from his father. So he rejected his father. He rejected the relationship with his dad. Actually, in that time, when he said, Dad, give me my stuff, 
what he was actually referring to is like you are non-existent because i'm supposed to get this portion later on even when you pass on but i i want it now so he rejects his father and demands his life to be rewarded for just existing like i'm here you give birth to me I'm going to have whatever I need. Well, on the other side, the older brother comes to the father and complains that he has never been celebrated. He literally was so blind to his own self-righteousness and rejection of his father. And that actually looked like, Dad, I'm going to do all the perfect things you require of me as far as I still get what my young brother got. As far as I have access to things, as far as I get every other thing I want. And in that process, what we see about the older brother is that the older brother operated from a place not only of entitlement, but he carried a level of anger towards his young brother who was different, who actually did not live the life that he wanted. And he compared himself, found basically his identity in how good he was and how right he was. And to an extent, what we see Jesus do in this place is Jesus walks into this place, communicates this story to these guys, and basically says, everyone is wrong. Everyone is wrong, but everyone is loved, same, and everyone is called to recognize this change. Because at the end of the day, we are all on a self-salvation mission and we're trying to save ourselves. But Jesus steps into our lives. And what we saw last week a little bit, because it's quite important, was that when we are living as older brothers, we tend to make God a thing. God is not Lord. God is just useful for our needs. And what ends up happening is, in the process, is that when we are living as older brothers, God exists for my needs nothing else. God is simply there for my needs. And we get angry when life doesn't go our way because I have been good. God, you're supposed to honor me for that. And we redefine sin. Sin is no longer at the core of our intentions and the motives. Sin is simply about the activities. As far as I'm not called, as far as people don't know what's going on in my heart, I think I'm good. And to an extent, all the brothers feel superior and in turn, that just messes up the church. And I want you to be imagining, if, if you as an older brother, if me as an older brother, we are in a church where we feel God exists for our needs. And when we go through hard times, we are angry towards God because God owes us. And then we redefine what sin looks like. And we feel superior all the time because of either of our rest, of our skills, of our looks, of our education, of our class, and all these other things. I want you to imagine what kind of church. And actually, to an extent, I want you to imagine if we haven't been that kind of church. Because that is a really crucial thing for us to think about. Because what ends up happening in that kind of space, we tend to create a culture of hate. Because our identity is in how different and how unique and how anointed and how great we are. It, we create a culture of, of unforgiveness because in that reality... We are so good and we deserve to be angry towards those people that are sinning different. We tend to be a little bit more judgmental because for our own sake, we can't handle criticism, right? 
because we are the perfect ones. We are the good ones. So anyone that criticizes us, that crushes us, that destroys us. But where we are right, we go ahead and attack other people and we destroy other people. And the fourth thing that is quite important for me is that it creates a culture of insecurity because we're no longer secure in who Jesus says we are. Our security is no longer in who God says we are. It's in what we are able to do. It is in, <laughs> to use the words of the older brother, I have been laboring, I've been slaving, I've been working for you. You did not see. And that kind of culture is a toxic culture because you don't know when you are good enough. You have no confidence because all you have to do is be good. And a lot of us, we're in that place where we have come to God and we're trying our best to be good, but the reality is we are so insecure because we don't know how much is good enough. So we tend to say, maybe I'm good enough when I'm better than everyone else. And then we create that culture of judgmentalism. And when the people we are comparing ourselves to don't seem like they're getting what they deserve, we tend to hate them and we tend to judge them and we tend to just get angry with God. And that's a toxic place. But the reality is, you know, to an extent, we don't think we are that person. We don't think we are that person. We feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm good. Just these young people. Just these young people. Oh, just my young brothers. Oh, just my friends are playing around sexually. Just all oh, these other people are not clear with what they're doing with their lives or their money. So we tend to create a culture where it's just a church full of older brothers. Everyone is competing on how good they can be, how great they can serve, not how they're being loved by God. God is kicked out because God is just useful. We pray, we sing right, we preach right, we dig deep in the word, we do all the right things, therefore we are right with God. Not God has made us right with him through Jesus Christ. And that is a crucial, important thing that I want to transition to because at the end of the day, there were people that were listening to this conversation. Now we're going like, what is Jesus talking about? And, and when we go to actually Luke chapter 15 from verse 1, this is what the scripture says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. What, what a truth. So from, from verse 3, Jesus says, So he told them this parable. So Jesus starts telling them parables about lostness. He's telling them about a man that loses uh, a ship. But he had hundreds of sheep. Then he gets to uh, a story of a lady that had 10 coins but lost one coin. And then in all these stories, these people that had so many things would lose one, but yet would go ahead and look for the one lost coin. And what would happen every time these people would come back? The guy that found his ship back says, come and celebrate with me. I found my lost ship. The lady that loses a coin comes back and says, come and celebrate with me, for I found my lost coin. Then Jesus switches on to this brother, the story of brothers, 
where at the end, the father is inviting the older brother to say, hey, come and celebrate with me. Inviting all these other people, come and celebrate. Because the one person I had lost, the one person I had lost has come back to me. And the brother, the older brother, refuses to get into that party. And I, that is so crazy because that should leave a void in our hearts. Like, why didn't the older brother do something? Why didn't the older brother go to look? So Jesus is even in the space creating a need for a better, greater older brother who later on comes and lays down his life for you and me so that we in the older brother can find what family is like. We can come back. To our father. And the importance of this is like in this context, the Pharisees who were saying, whilst Jesus hanging out with sinners, needed to hear that what they were doing was leaving from a place of older brothers. That to an extent, they needed to see how self-righteous they were. They needed to see themselves in the story of instead of pursuing our young brother who is lost, we just stayed home and lived as if he was dead. They needed to hear that. But also the young, the young brothers in this story that Jesus was hanging out with, that we can call the sinners, needed to hear this reality because Jesus had to affirm the reality they were seeing. That as people that are sinners, they had been in places where they've been disgusted by people that are self-righteous. And a lot of them walked away from faith. A lot of them looked at Christianity and go like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. Christianity was not simply a relationship with God that commands and desires us to worship God, but it was just like any other religion because these people were trying to be self-righteous and impose their rules and stuff like that. And, and the reality is you might be watching right now and you have felt for a long time like that, that you know what? The people that are in the church, the people that I hang out with don't love God. They don't care about me, don't care about my needs, don't care about what I'm going through. They're, they care more about how right they were. And Jesus wanted these young brothers to hear that, to see that, that the young brother needed to hear that there was another way that leads to God apart from moralism, apart from obeying a bunch of rules. Jesus needed the young brother to see that, that, you know what, that moralistic kind of living does not bring you to salvation. It actually looks like everything is right, but it creates a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear, a lot of pain, and therefore... All those things kill intimacy. So there's no intimacy with God. There's no real relationship with God. So Jesus made sure the young brothers knew that. And the older brother needed to hear of their blindness, their blindness that leads to self-destructive insecurities. Now what we see, what we see in this story is what the father gives all of us, that at a great cost, the father pays for the rejection his son gave him. Because from the beginning, you see this young brother saying, you know, I don't want anything to do. Then he hits that rock bottom. Then he comes back. He comes up with a plan. I'm going to get to my father this way. But her father says, just come to me. Oh, who are weary and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Come to me as you are. And that's a core value here, Flood. 
that we want people to come truly and fully the way they are. So Jesus changes them there. We don't want people to try to be moralistic, to obey a bunch of rules, to try to figure out their way to God and then say, God, here I am, I've done my part. No, no, no. We want you to come to God because even in you trying to create the ways to come to God, the reality that's happening is your righteousness, your best acts are still coming from a selfish place of God, I'm going to prove I'm going to try to be good so that you owe me salvation. You owe me being saved. You owe me. So at his cost, the father pays for the rejection his son gave him. And rejection is painful. And a lot of us have been rejected before. And even the word father is hard because our earthly fathers rejected us when we did something stupid. When we did something harmful. Oh, some of us, our fathers were just a mess. They, they didn't even wait for us to mess up. They just are the ones that messed up. So this idea of a father choosing to love us, to pay for our weaknesses, to pay for our messed upness is something that is alien, but that's what our Heavenly Father does. At a great cost, the father endures the shame caused by the sons, both sons. The first son outrightly rejects the father. The second son, at the moment of celebration, rejects his dad and says, you know what? I'm not going to party with you. You haven't celebrated me. You haven't given me a party. So at the great cost, the father endures the shame both sons bring. And that shame from even rejection, that shame for, for focusing on things, not the person. At a great cost, the father extends an invitation to a celebration paid from his own things. We see also the father, at a great cost, pursuing both the older brother and the younger son. Because sometimes we think the older brother is not worth saving. But in this moment, Jesus goes like, you know what? The older brother needs an invitation as well. And, and in this moment, you see a picture of how God pursues some of us. That for some people, we have a world past. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean. And even in that, Jesus still comes and pursues us. And for some of us, we grew up in church and we, everything was so right. And God came to us in a subtle way, in subtle conversations, and almost like, had an actual chat with like, hey, but that's not the right thing. You hear the word and the word hits you hard, but you're like, no, I still got this, I got this. And, and in both stories, you see the father pursuing the sons and at a great cost. The father responds to the issues of their heart, not the stuff. That by the end of the day, the father with the first son, he says, I'm compassionate with you. Come and I'll give you the best robe and I'll celebrate you and I will restore you. With the older son, the father comes and says, you are mine. Everything I have is yours. But at the end of the day, you are the one who is mine. You are mine. Everything I have is yours. And that, that is the good news. So here we see that at a great cost, the father welcomes both the older son and the younger son. And that's the good news. But this good news actually continues in this way. That at the end of the day, you and me need an older brother. Because when the father was saying, everything I have 
belongs to you, the older brother. He actually meant that. He actually also meant part of the process of the younger brother coming back to the family meant it was going to cost the older brother. Because if everything already belonged to the older brother and the father parted and celebrated the young brother, then it means the resources that belonged to the older brother were part of being used to bring in the young brother. And that's what Jesus, in a lot of ways, we can see him as our older brother. Because everything was created by him and for him in heaven and on earth. And as an older brother, we see Jesus owning everything, everything belonging to Jesus. So at his cost as an older brother, he comes to look for us. He shows up in our lives. He comes to look for us. That Jesus is a true older brother, everything is paid by him. Everything is paid by Jesus. That by the end of the day, he gives up his glory. He gives up his kingship, goes to the cross. But before that, even, he, took up, he takes upon himself humanity and becomes one of us. And live the perfect life. So Jesus fully pays as an older brother who fully gives up his share for us to not be aliens before God. So he brings us to God. And Jesus as an older brother, true older brother, we see that everything is fulfilled in him and by him. Because in Jesus, he went and fulfilled the requirements of the law for us. So that we no longer try to live more realistic lives. But as an older brother in this moment who said, you know what? I labored for you. Jesus obeys the father to the T. But had a great relationship with the father. Is known and loved by the father. And he gives up everything. So that you and me who are younger brothers could have life, and that life would be abundantly. So this true elder brother, Jesus, fulfills the requirements and brings us back to God. He fights for our place in the family. Not like the other older brother who says, this son of yours spent all his money on prostitutes. Our true older brother, Jesus, says, I paid for their iniquities. I paid for their disgustness. I just wanted to use that word. I paid for how complicated their life is. I paid for the sin that separates them from me and you, Father. I'm the true older brother that actually goes to look for my younger brother, that actually pays with my resources for my young brother, that pays with my life, that pays with my resources for my younger brother. Jesus is our true older brother and everything is surrendered by Jesus and older brothers who chooses us to be loved by God and to be fully rooted in the family and I don't know about you man but the reality of life is we can either go on the self-discovery route 
that will lead to emptiness or we can go on the moralistic path all we both are trying to do is find happiness figure out how we relate to the world and how we relate to God how we make sense of the world and Jesus is showing up and saying both ways are wrong but the right way is for you to know that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son our true older brother our true brother who gave up everything and pursued us he took upon himself humanity and he lived a perfect life because God when he created the world we chose sin we chose to be our own lords we chose to be our own gods we chose to make life about us and that's brought a separation between man and god that no sacrifice could cover and fully fulfill but jesus comes lives a perfect life and becomes that perfect lamb and goes to the cross where i can live in at the cross he says my god why have you forsaken me and before even that moment you notice jesus continuously saying father 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 and goes to the cross and even in that moment says, god why have, you, why have you forsaken me and in that moment he is redeeming us he's purchasing a place for us so that you and me no longer tries to find our identity in being lone rangers and trying to just be on a self discovery path or we come up with rules of this is how we get to god this is how we keep god in our debt jesus dies he rose again and now whole faith hangs on that truth that jesus is no longer in the grave we can no longer live as people that have a savior that's in the grave and that completely changes how we think how we dream how we love so by the end of the day that's the other way the other way is the gospel is the good news that you cannot save yourself whether you are a young brother or whether you think you don't need god because you're already good god speaks to both of us and says there's a better way to come to god that is fully rooted in who jesus is and what jesus has done The other two ways are man's way. Uh this is how I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to discover about life. The other way is like this is how I'm going to relate to God. This is how I'm going to keep God in my debt. And this other way is like you can't keep God in your debt. You can't find your way to God through your own skills, through his word, through his truth, through his holy spirit and through his power. So I don't know where you're listening from and what's going on in your life, but My hope and prayer this morning is that you are not an uh, an older brother who thinks you are right with God but realistically you're far away from God because your righteousness is standing in between you and God but God is still saying come to me because you know at the core of your heart that that righteousness is eating you up is driving you crazy is keeping your heart and head in sin and on the other end young brother who like I don't care about God I don't care about life and you've hit that rock bottom again and again and again and again and you're like I don't know how to get to God and you're coming up with a plan maybe I'll start going to church once in a while maybe I'll read my bible maybe I'll listen to a sermon maybe I'll do this maybe I'll stumble on facebook and find a church 
beyond that. Jesus like, I laid my life down for you so you could have life and have life abundantly. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive our ways that deny and rejects you. Forgive our ways that obeys your laws but don't want anything to do with you. Help us love and help us live for your glory. Amen. And as you're starting your week, may this truth give you freedom that you are loved by God. You are fully secure in God. And God is working all things for your good. I pray Jesus will make his face shine upon you. And that his love will cover you and keep you secure. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the love of God the Father lead you to freedom in Christ for the sake of the glory of God. I love you, family. I miss you. I'm praying that the Lord will gather us soon together. Amen. Sorry, babe. I'm saying sorry, babe. Thank <laughs> you.